When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. So I don't have a ton, but the thing that came up last week and then has been elaborated on. So Jordan Peterson was banned from Twitter. Mm-hmm. He made a YouTube video about it. I watched it. Did you watch the whole thing? Or Most of it. Part of it. Yeah. So we've talked about this in the past, but he was banned from Twitter, for those of you who don't know, for uh, a tweet about Elliot Page, where he referred to Elliot Page as Ellen Page and said that a criminal doctor performed a like removed removed breasts or something like that and uh then he made a youtube video breaking down that tweet why he suspects they got rid of him and my do you have a sense of it before like i I have rough thoughts around the topic whether his tweet had like whether his argument had merit or whether the ban had merit which either wherever you want to start if you don't want to, I mean, here's here's my. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I haven't really spent. A so lot of my time general thought is like, it. Twitter. I don't know. I, this is the thing that I that kind of gets weird. Is the you see this? I guess with a lot of issues, you see the conservatives and the liberals flip flop principles depending on which side they currently find themselves on. And I, I feel like Twitter is a private company that has the right to ban people for whatever flippant reason it wants to, and if its rules aren't consistent. Tough shit. Well, the, is that true the, for a platform? So his is the caveat, which is I do think that there's an interest. I, I don't think it's fair when people say Twitter is the public square because it's not because I'm not on Twitter and I still feel like I have a pretty influential ability. So perhaps social media uh, together forms the public square, but Twitter is one small section of that public square. So I don't feel that being banned or uh, removed from Twitter is akin to being censored, in my opinion. Uh, and I think certainly for Jordan Peterson, he came out, made that video, got 2.5 million views on YouTube, was allowed to say what he said. And I don't think that, this doesn't make me fear for free speech when it's a single thing. Where I get more nervous is the Alex Jones type situation where everybody within 24 hours says, you're not allowed on. And then when he comes on flagrant, they take down the flagrant two podcast and he is effectively, that to me is kind of a removal from the public square in a big way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that is true is that these companies flip-flop between being platforms and seeking the protections of a platform, mm-hmm. like not being responsible for the content that people upload yeah. and being publishers com- publishers yeah. who censor or edit or control and they take it upon themselves to tell you what's true and not true and maybe we don't 
Maybe we need to change the laws or mm -hmm. something like that. But the way they currently operate doesn't fit the law as far as I understand it, where they can pick and choose when they want to be a publisher and when they want to be a platform. I'm down for that. I, and I do like that there could be some sort of third hybrid categorization. That yeah, they might give just them have to update the law. It's, I'm not saying that the way that they operate is necessarily flawed. I'm saying the way they operate doesn't work with mm -hmm. the current laws. So someone should look at that instead of what we've been doing is kind of going, well, that's okay because the people who would prosecute this kind of agree with the behavior of the corporations for now. Yeah, yeah. So they're not going to, they're going to turn a blind eye to what is inconsistent behavior in terms of their, what their legal identification is. Yeah. Well, I could imagine like a hybrid, which is like, look, you, you want editorial power over your social media platform. Therefore, we're going to raise the stringency with which we uh, prosecute like copyright claims, all of these other things. You're going to be liable if you don't get them down within a cert set period of time. So if you like this and you want to editorialize and you want to control and add COVID precautions and say that people can't dead name or do all this kind of stuff, you're going to be held to a higher standard, still below what like the New York Times would, but a higher standard in terms of liability for the content on your platform. Yeah, the truth is it might not be feasible for them to... And then, so they would have to then go, okay, well, we have this other thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That that to me is the big... That's just the inconsistency I see is, is that they do whatever they want. When it's convenient, they're one thing. When it's convenient, they're another thing. Mm -hmm. So, And Jordan's position is an odd one. It's similar to the abortion one in the sense that you're, depending on where you fall philosophically, either this is the most important battle for free speech ever or... This is completely inconsequential, and he's making a huge hissy fit big deal about yeah. something that's just general uh, politeness, like you wouldn't tweet the N-word and then get upset uh -huh. when black people got upset. And it's like, well, depending on what your philosophy is, you feel very strongly that he needs to be protected and fight this fight, and what he's doing is is the protecting our most fundamental right, or he's a total dick, way out of line, needs to just learn to chill. Yeah. Well, so for the original... I'll, you know, show my cards personally. For the original C-16 bill, where he expressed fear that there would be compelled speech and he didn't want it entered into Canada's legal system. Mm -hmm. But when asked, he's like, I have never denied a student when they've asked me to switch their pronouns or call them by a different name. I actually liked that argument. I was like, let's make politeness a social standard, but not a legal one. Mm -hmm. And then what he did on Twitter, which is, targets someone that he doesn't know who is above 18 years old and say the name that they don't want to be called by and the pronoun that they don't want to be called by and call the doctor a criminal seemed to run very contrary to yeah. what he said. And I was like, this that, is That was something I thought. He definitely, disturbing. Has, this is, he definitely has shifted his position on the issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's talked about why, but certainly he used to, when he was climbing to fame, say, anytime someone asks me to, I'll give them the name that they want or the pronoun they want. This is about the legal protection of not having mm -hmm. compelled speech. And he seems to have shifted to social conspelled, con compelled speech is also unacceptable mm -hmm. to him, except for uh, obviously not in all cases because I've never heard him drop an N-bomb. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it does seem like he's shifted his position and I haven't heard him talk about why. Yes. and uh, Also it, funny for a guy who came back from like a medical coma and said that he didn't want to be in the spotlight because he didn't like all the negative energy around it. He does seem to be hunting negative energy. Yeah. Like, I don't know what his position is, but I think there's probably 
ways to go about it that involve less social media negative backlash, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to avoid. And I'm not saying he should avoid it. I'm saying he said for his own mental health and well-being and the well-being of his family, he wanted to avoid it. Yeah. And that seems to have shifted as well because now he's he's definitely summoning it with open yeah. arms. Well, that that's what I found socially, not legally, not whatever, like disturbing about the tweet, which is to target someone that you don't know with something that you know is upsetting to them that has, uh, and and to not include, for instance, all of the doctors and all of the people and the fact that for, I don't know, 30, 40, whenever they started boob jobs, women have been, you know, we lived in Las Vegas, the number of doctors putting needless silicone implants into breasts is far greater than the number and not uh, helping the underlying psychology of these women. And we had experiences that it wasn't and they were addicted to plastic surgery. Maybe I've missed those tweets from him, but he seems to have passed over those plastic surgeons in his, you know, calling them criminals and being upset that they're not addressing the fundamental issues. Well, that's uh, the one part, that's the one part he did say wish he hadn't said criminal because it's technically not illegal. Fine, but like where is the ire? Because we've had needless plastic surgeries that are pushed by the media for many, many years yeah, to the detriment done, of young women. Yes, and, and it's some called of those, some breast of those, augmentation. Yeah, some of those plastic surgeries are fine and some of those come from a place where they'd be much better off with Brazilian the, the mental lifts, health yeah. help that he seems to think is what's necessary in, in other cases. And so. maybe, and I could be wrong, maybe he has a history of criticism of, you know, the Kardashians and, and this, the well, this, standard of beauty that they've put forward. Doesn't his daughter have a bunch of plastic surgery? I don't know if she does, but it, it appears that she's got some lip stuff. Yeah, so I don't, I don't be surprising if he had a position that was anti just general, like beautifying. I think if you're, if you have a problem with the medical procedures being, and I, and I could see this problem being like, I'm concerned that young girls that are confused about their gender identity and sexuality will think that this is that these drastic surgeries that are uh, sometimes promoted without a counter argument to like, hey, this isn't right for everyone. This isn't mm-hmm. going to solve all of your problems. That could be dangerous for young girls. If one sees that in the trans space, but not in the rest of American society, I wonder if that person is unduly focused on the trans space and not actually concerned with young girls. And that is not saying that that's the case because I don't know his entire history of tweeting about these issues, but I would expect parody. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine if you're against transitioning until 18, you're probably against implants until 18, tattoos <laughs> until 18. But he's not about 18 because this is not what happened in this case. Oh, no, like, I'm sorry. I was just, say, I was just saying for mm, those people. Yes. I imagine there is a large group of the population that just says, in general, don't do permanent body augmentation before you're 18. Yeah. Well, then the other tweet, which was just, I thought, like, needlessly mean, was about the Sports Illustrated thing where it says, not beautiful, and I'm not going to pretend that it is of, uh, I forget her name, who was on Sports Illustrated, and then when asked for follow-up, I think it was in this video, or I don't know if, I, I read it, so I don't know if it was in this Twitter video. It was like, I am not going to sacrifice the ideal of athletic beauty to whatever, the, the neo-Marxists. But the idea that Sports Illustrated has ever, I can show you some things. Do you know who David Wells is? Mm-mm. David Wells is a pitcher who pitched a perfect game. He's undeniably, well, this is actually argumentative. Is he an athlete (laughs) is a good question because he's built like your uncle (laughs) who, you know, drinks too many beers and and like grills out all the time. He's uh, 
Not an ideal of athletic beauty, at least from the aesthetic sense. But he did pitch a perfect game. Mm-hmm. He's on Sports Illustrated. The swimsuit edition, uh, you know, whoever, Naomi Campbell or Tyra Banks or Kate Upton, nobody checked if they were athletic. They were just culturally informed beauty standards, which, by the way, have shifted over the 20 years since it was like super skinny Kate Moss all the way up to more buxom Kate Upton. We've had these shifting standards of beauty that have both been reflected in Sports Illustrated and pushed by Sports Illustrated. Uh, but And then to call this out is like, oh, no, I'm, I care about athletic beauty because that's what Sports Illustrated swimsuit represents is that's not what it is. It's just a cultural reflection of or, or pushing of some kind of beauty standard. So I thought that it was a, a weak argument to, to justify attacking and being mean to a stranger like if you're if you're not attracted to her fine there's i think i think i'm not attracted to that person all the time but i don't tweet about it yeah it's also interesting because this it's not we've gone from like the government to platforms to just a magazine to just a magazine i feel like if you don't want to support that just don't buy that magazine i promise if sports illustrated saw sales tank to 10 percent of what they normally are they would let that inform future magazines yeah, I did think it was interesting, especially given, like, I don't know, he's got a wife, he's got a daughter. How would he feel about someone with a big platform? Just being like, they're ugly. <laughs> I imagine he would yeah. say, hey, that's rude and yeah, they don't, they, haven't, they're, they're, they don't conform to the ideal, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I Mostly with the magazine, just don't... I guess I don't find that person attractive, but I also don't care who's on the cover of magazines. And maybe he thinks that it's a battlefront for a greater fight. Maybe he thinks that if he allows people he finds unattractive to be on magazine (laughs) covers without announcing it, that somehow that will be the rise of fascism. But yeah, I just don't care who's on the cover of any magazine. I I don't care who wins Sexiest Man of the Year. Mm -hmm. It should have just been Brad Pitt 20 times in a row and instead they would slot (laughs) in other people. It's not a big deal. Like it's a confusing battlefront. I actually don't even see where that one's coming. At least, uh, especially with his early stuff, I understood the idea of, I don't want the government to pass any laws that compel speech. Okay, I understand you're trying to avoid being like North Korea and China, and I see the slippery slope here. I don't, I'm unclear on the slippery slope of magazine covers. I don't, personally just don't care who's on the cover of any magazine. Yeah. Forbes, I'm sure Forbes has had, they had the Theranos woman on the, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure at some point on the cover. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of uh, a battlefront I don't understand the importance of. I think you're actually losing the battle when you argue, for instance, about who's on the cover of Sports Illustrated or who should win the Oscar instead of doing what you're saying, which is recognize that these are meaningless except for the meaning vested in them by people who argue about should get it. So stop being a person who argues about the cover. Don't buy the magazine. Don't talk about the magazine. Don't watch the Oscars. Don't If you want to, I watched Parasite. I thought it was a great movie. I'm glad that I did, but like... I also went to see Top Gun in theaters, and I don't care if it wins an Oscar. And I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny. People, I, I guess that's just how my brain functions, which people don't often do, is just voting with their money. Like they'll decry Bezos, but go on Amazon. And if I hated Bezos and I hated Amazon, I would try to just shop from BestBuy.com for my electronics, whatever ClothingStore.com. I just go to. The, I would stop going to the place. That I don't like. Well, it's almost worse than that in the case of Sports Illustrated because they're not, they are selling magazines, but what they're really trying to grab is your attention. So 
when you yeah, pay I would never them heard, attention. Just to be clear, I have, couldn't tell you who's on the cover of this. Who was on ever. last year? Yeah. And do they all conform to the athletic ideal? Are they all beautiful? Are we just like the, the, I don't know if I were talking, I'd be like, this is not the fight. This is not it. Twitter has uh, convinced you that you need to take a position in what is a never ending culture war. Who cares? This is not important. People are going to have uh, standards of beauty will shift. People will not be persuaded by a magazine cover. And if they are persuaded, beauty is not an ideal that is fixed that we need to defend so hard. But uh, he's lost me in in the going after individual people who are not in contact with you, who are just living their life as best they can and are maybe confused and are maybe confusing other people. But guess what? That's all of Instagram is a bunch of sad people making people sad by posting about how they're really happy, doing things that don't make them happy. Like the problem is so much bigger. So to, so to focus uniquely on what he sees as the bad example being set by trans people is makes me raise an eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why, because I could think of so many possible reasons. Like one, he's been fighting this fight for so long. I wonder if his interactions with trans people are abnormally vicious mm -hmm. and so that he has developed uh stronger negative feelings over time i wonder if his meds have just shifted from when he started to when he was in a medical coma to today and you know, i know that could have just gone on different depression medicine or anxiety medicine it could have completely changed how he feels about things like it could i, I would be curious well we could never know where the shift came from because i do yeah. agree he used to even when people would insult him, he would smile and people would be attacking him and his students that supported him would come to his defense and cut them off. And he'd say, no, 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 let, I want to hear you fully and then I'll respond. He was so measured. Yeah. So it is interesting. It's a passage of time. I'm sure we all change. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a, an evolution of sorts for Jordan in terms of how he presents his ideas. Yeah. I And if it's not clear, I'm not, um, I don't like it. I, well, he can do whatever he wants, but I don't find it admirable as I did some of his prior positions and the way that he handled Kathy Newman. You know, like I thought that that was admirable and this to me is not so. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking back to the video. I think his argument is that he worries that Elliot will inspire other people to do this who wouldn't otherwise have transitioned if they didn't have people to look up to. Mm -hmm. So so is. Go ahead. No, no, it's just, I don't know that, that that there's merit to that or not. I don't know. It's hard to imagine having been, con having never felt trans, it's hard to imagine seeing someone transition and then being inspired to have transitioned to a woman personally. But that's his fear, is that the, I'm just thinking through the video, that that somehow people who, wouldn't otherwise have felt body dysmorphia will somehow like be inspired to feel like they don't belong in their body, which so, I think is just a teenage yeah. experience in general. It's to just feel like you hate your body. <laughs> yeah. If one wants to make that argument, I don't see why this, a particular person needs to be brought in because the truth is I don't know enough about Elliot. I don't know what's go if that has been a good move or a bad move or has improved mental health or decreased it. So I can't say, but that decision, I do believe, is beneficial and right for some people. So what, some people are not allowed to talk about the, like, 
Jordan Bennett's funny because he went into a medically induced coma. What if that inspires more people to go into medically induced comas to kick a drug thing that would better be kicked with therapy, right? Like, uh, and you talked about how it was helpful or the carnivore diet and how it's been helpful. Like everything that we do that we feel has a positive impact on our life could potentially, if we're in the public sphere, influence other people to do that thing. And some of them, like going into medically induced comas or taking drastic steps to uh, perform surgery on your body, are uh, dangerous when done by the wrong person and will make their life worse. So uh, I guess, you know, to mention that this is not right for everybody, put a caveat on some of these stories, fine. I think that's reasonable. But that doesn't seem to justify the the personal attack that he <laughs> Uh, did so I don't know it, it's uh, it's yeah I'd be curious to talk to him I, I don't think we ever will I yeah, have a lot of questions mm-hmm. like, this is is this where you think that you can do the most amount of good in the world mm-hmm. why why is this your issue you know what I mean why is this the fight you choose I understood when it was the Canadian legislation so yeah but uh, I don't know the answer I have I have all this does is make me wish I knew questions that I have yeah. to ask. Well, I mean, and from a distance, uh, with a, a hypothesis that I would, it, we won't have this conversation, but I would go in and I'm trying to be transparent, is that you seem very angry and you seem like you're taking the anger that you have on the inside and you're putting it on the outside. And I don't know that the outside is where the anger needs to go or was triggered from. Like, and that has been a shift in how I have perceived you, at least, so... <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right. I had one more thing just related to body stuff, which I, it's funny that, that this came up. It's not groundbreaking, but it was just yet another reminder of how rampantly we are hypnotized to have body dysmorphia. Because we, we both saw Top Gun. There's a shirtless scene where they all play football together and the dudes look jacked, but they don't even look unattainably muscular. They're not Chris Hemsworth and Thor. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's what those guys look like. And then I just happen to get fed by YouTube a couple of Top Gun videos and... That scene involved being heavily oiled up and doing a ton of lifting between every take. So they're just constantly doing push-ups and bicep yeah, curls yeah. between every take, flexing hard every every scene. And this that's fine, but what it make, just makes me realize is, oh, this this actually is attainable, an attainable mm-hmm. physique to walk around with, but you guys aren't walking around with it. Yeah. And it's just made me realize how unavoidable it is to get a warped sense of what people look like because you've got Instagram where people have 
lighting, angles, filters, literally Photoshop. Then you have all of the Marvel movies where every single person basically has gone on steroids, yeah. but no one talks about it. The Rock denies aggressively having ever done any exogenous steroid or testosterone, I think. Uh, Hugh Jackman from the first X-Men movie to the last is a hilarious transformation. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the Top Gun guys who are just doing it in a small way, not necessarily steroids, not necessarily Photoshop, just by working out before every time the camera goes mm -hmm. on. And uh, I don't really have a takeaway except for it's just a shame that people won't just be honest. Hey, this physique is attainable as long as you do steroids. Mm. Hey, this photo is completely fake. I actually have a ton of acne that I've gotten rid of. It would be so good for the mental health of everybody, yeah. including the people on camera, but they think they would make less money or be less famous, so they're not willing to take that trade. And I, I don't really have a takeaway. It's just, I'm just realizing more and more how un- avoidable it is yeah well it's, i don't know if it's i don't think tragedy of the commons is the right word but it is like a uh game theory thing mm -hmm. where look if we can all be honest we'll all be better off but as soon as one person defects and adds a filter or flexes before or does whatever they're at an advantage yeah so now if you're not cheating you're not even competing yeah. no, and i think the other thing that i thought was was really interesting because I was thinking about this a little bit is you can know that in your mind mm -hmm. everybody is filtered steroiding mm -hmm. flexing beforehand and it actually doesn't do much to stop a lot of people's subconscious insecurities mm -hmm. so they'll know that and then they'll see the photo and then they'll be mean to themselves internally because they don't match the photo even though intellectually you're like do you think this is edited you're like yeah probably yeah yeah filtered probably completely photoshopped. Do you think that these these actors on steroids? Yeah, for sure. But then when they're watching it, if you could track their subconscious internal monologue, I think the majority of people still feel envy and internally are not nice to themselves because of this thing that they know intellectually isn't a fair comparison, but it doesn't stop the comparison. And that I thought was interesting because even knowing that it's like that doesn't help in terms of how people feel about themselves and I feel that way when I, not that I trust man, these days I barely care, <laughs> but um, I forget what, there was somebody that I saw, I was like, oh my God, I love that person. Like, you know, I was like very attracted and then saw an Instagram reality and was instantly like, that was deflated yeah. quite a bit. And it's, I was thinking about it. It's actually a positive adaptation, which is that I trust my eyes more than my concepts. Mm -hmm. So when my eyes show me something and I go, well, well I know that's not real. It's like, yeah, but your eyes are smarter than your concepts. You know, like that's that's a good thing. You don't want to have your world too much imposing, except in this particular circumstance, you definitely do because your eyes are not trustworthy because we've put so much technological effort yep. into making sure that you can't trust your eyes. Um, but yeah, no, it's what you were saying about, yeah, that's, that's all of Instagram. That's all of uh, a lot of these platforms, just people making other people miserable by adding as many indicators that they're more attractive life is better things are better than they are yeah. and i think making themselves miserable because mm -hmm. then i think they compare themselves to the person they've created on instagram mm -hmm. and they just feel bad that they don't look like that all the time can i, I gotta get back there yeah which so, never existed yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i really think everybody's losing in terms of the, the mental health or self-esteem side of things mm -hmm. and for people i mean seem almost should go without saying for anyone who's listened for a while i'm obviously hugely into health and fitness i think people should play sports mm -hmm. i've been lifting weights forever i think there, most people could 
have insane physical transformations and make themselves very attractive through diet and exercise and habit change. It is just a bummer that the people that are like leading them are so deceptive. Another one I've seen is the people who, have we talked about this on the podcast? They start out in good shape, purposefully get in bad shape by eating donuts every day and then have six weeks transformations where they transform radically, but they just get back to where they were. Mm -hmm. So they've just been in shape for three years and then they get soft and doughy for a moment with the worst diet imaginable. Then they just return to their old habits and get their old body back in six weeks. And they go, oh, you can, if you give me money, you can go from here to here. <clears throat> but if you if you were in the out of shape part for three years, you don't get this in six weeks. And so then again, they're in order to enrich themselves financially, setting a unfair standard for their clients who then don't have those changes in six weeks and then probably quit thinking that they're failures instead of have been misled by a deceptive guru. Mm-hmm. And I think most people will go, oh yeah, that's true. It's just a shame because it's happening all the time. It's still happening. And again, people still buy it. People know that that happens, but they still spend the money on the program instead of just committing to the year of eating right and working out or whatever it might be. So yeah, just saw a Top Gun video. It reminded me of the rampant body dysmorphia that we have in our society and how uh, everybody's trying to trick you for their own financial gain, really, because I think mentally it's not good for them either. Uh, I, you know, it's not good for them, but I think they believe that it's good for them. If that makes any sense. Like the, the, the people who do the filters and the, this, and they squeeze their waist in, um, I guess the addiction is the best thing to compare it to, which is like this, this feels very good in the short term, mm-hmm. though it becomes running downhill in the long term. Cause now you've got to like hide from real cameras to show. You yeah. Know. One of the Kardashians said as much, she, she l- was complaining, I think I talked about this on the podcast, she was complaining that social media has made her you mentioned this, feel yeah. sad <laughs> because people accuse her of Photoshop anytime she posts a photo. But she has Photoshopped tons of photos <laughs> historically and gotten caught. And so it's just like, you're in a prison of your own making. I don't really know what else to say except for just stop posting on Instagram. It's not even stop Photoshopping. It's just like, if this makes you sad, just... Stop. You're rich already. You're mm-hmm. famous already. You're married already. You have a kid already. You're good. You don't need to get this external validation anymore. Yeah. And of course you're right. And, but it's an addiction. It's an addiction, yeah. which is like telling an addict to just stop goes about as well as you all know it does, <laughs> which is they don't often do that. Yeah. I think some addictions are more, people are more comfortable saying, yeah, I'm addicted. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're a heroin addict, I think a lot of times people at some point will just go, yeah, I'm, I'm addicted and I know I have an addiction and that's where I'm at. And so what I'm trying to do is cure the addiction. I think a lot of times with these softer addictions, people will deny having them, Mm -hmm. which means that they won't necessarily do what's necessary to break it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and culturally no one is going to point out or hold a mirror to how damaging this is to your life. You don't have, if you're, I don't know, an alcoholic or you're a drug addict. Sure, there's probably you have probably a lot of alcoholic drug addict friends, but you also see sober people that don't have the problems that you have. I think it's probably tougher for a lot of the people who are addicted to Instagram or social media to look to people around them that are not having the problems they have and see that because everyone around them has all the same problems that they share with their addiction. Sure. Um, cool. Anything else? Yeah, Sri Lanka's falling apart. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was talking about it. So this, as of yesterday... They announced that they have less than a day's worth of fuel. I don't know if that came to pass or if someone bailed them out. I texted my Sri Lankan friend and mm. I asked, is this 
American sensationalism is the media just doing this as, mm-hmm. as something to focus on. He said, no, actually, I think that America is underplaying this because mm-hmm. the situation was exacerbated by the Ukraine war and most of the media was pro-war. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just a country that doesn't have money, that is struggling to get food, that doesn't have fuel, which means it can't operate their vehicles. No one's really talking about it. You know, got a lot, we talked about Jordan Peterson talking about trans for a while on the podcast. People are talking about other things that are important, Roe v. Wade, whatever it might be. But it is interesting how little we care as soon as something is just far away. Yeah. Well, this to me is um, during the Roe v. Wade and before that something else, there's, there's a contingent of people that go, if you won't take a hard stand on this, you're a bad person. I can't interact with you anymore. And it's stories like this one or the Tigray War or whatever is not being, you know, is, or, the, or the water crisis in Africa that I have to come back to. Because for a moment I go, oh, my God, I might be a bad person because everyone is saying this. And it's like, no, no, no. The world is full of tragedies and n- not focusing on any one of them unless it's undoubtedly the biggest, most important, you know, world ending thing cannot make one a bad person. Or else we live in a world full of only bad people because everyone is ignoring at least one, if not 99.999% of these massive issues. Did I not bring this up on the podcast, though? I thought I mentioned Sri Lanka. Did I? You did. Things have just gotten worse. They've just gotten worse, yeah. Yeah. I mean, legitimately, as of yesterday, the claim was that they won't have fuel. They won't be able to operate Mm -hmm. vehicles. They won't be able to to deliver food and supplies. Societal collapse. So this is what I've... uh, there's a contingent of people in my sphere. The person I know that has most represents this is Tucker Max, who is planning for the collapse of American civilization. And what that means is moving to a place with a small group of people that he trusts, making sure that he has, you know, well water access, diesel and solar power generated ability to make all or hunt food. The, the ability to genuinely survive in a small band of, I don't know, you know, the, the Dunbar number, maybe 150 or fewer people. Well, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I just think, I think that's easier to achieve in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or someplace like Australia. Mm-hmm. I think there are certain countries where- It's too densely packed. It's too densely packed. <laughs> I mean, to, to, yeah. to find a huge plot of land in the United States is not hard. Mm-hmm. You have to go to places that you might not seem optimal to you. But I, well, I drove cross country once and there's just open fields. And I don't think every country necessarily no, no. has that luxury where you can say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay less rent, spend less money on a house and get massive acreage that I can then turn into my own farmland. You know, I don't know that that's an option for people in Sri Lanka unless no, they're no. extremely wealthy already. I don't mean to suggest this as an option for those people. I'm saying for as someone watching who does live in America, mm. who lives in... We have enough gas today, but you keep seeing that Lake Mead is um, going down and the water level is shrinking. You keep hearing that we're going to run out of all this stuff and who knows? Well, maybe somebody does. I certainly don't know. What is the level of dependence upon society that I am going to feel comfortable with? Right now, it is total. Mm -hmm. It is total. When the internet goes out, I scream. (laughs) You know, if it slows, I scream. Like I am 100% dependent upon it. Um, yeah, I have a couple of canned fish cans. I'm I'm basically starving to death starting 48 hours after we lose no, supplies. The, the, when the power went out because of the windstorms a few months ago, I was bereft. I was <laughs> absolutely lost. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I think starvation <laughs> for me occurs 48 hours after the supply lines shut down. I, I have exactly six meals worth of food mm-hmm. 
in canned food and then it's starved to death time. What about water? What about, and so these are the things, it's the questions that I've been asking myself is long-term, you know, I don't know if it's going to be my generation, but certainly a generation of Americans, people in this part of land in the future will experience a societal collapse because that is how the world works. This will, unless we just are done that, unless we've hit the end of history and it's yeah. only just get in your nap pods, enter the matrix and enjoy your filet mignon. Is that because you think we're losing our number one empire spot or just because you think over a billion years, you're just projecting so far in the future that eventually oh, there'll well, be a societal collapse? I'll do both. I'll do both. The I one, the one is easily seed, defensible over a billion years. I think you can years. seed the number one spot in the world superpower order and not have a societal collapse. I think England did it. Sure. I don't, I'm not betting that we will, clearly. But oh, I'm, sure. I'm wondering what mitigating factors I and others might take, how far I want to go. And where I've landed well, is... Get comfortable with the idea of dying. Yes. Well, I was like... A That's gun, the easiest way. A gun for myself. Because otherwise, yeah. you got to learn how to farm. Yeah. You're going to have to raise livestock. People are going to come for your food. And you're mm -hmm. going to have to kill them. Uh, yeah. Or just be like, yeah. 14 days from now, probably just starve to death. Easy to say now. I think probably <laughs> in that situation, not very fun. Where I've landed is I'd like to be less totally dependent than I am now. I'd like a well and I'd like, I'd like to go like if things broke down, kind of like just, just as a taste, the beginning of COVID when everybody went to the stores and cleaned out all the shit mm -hmm. and the supply chain got fucked up and society hasn't collapsed, but your ability to be a consumer is greatly diminished. It's not roving bands of, of uh, pirates yet, but it's, you know, not Book of Eli, but still you can't buy the stuff that you need. I'd like to be able to weather that storm comfortably, mm -hmm. meaning I've got enough water, I've got some food hung out, I've got a generator for my house for the necessities, um, and I can do a week or 14 days of like chilling, hanging out. But uh, yeah, beyond that, where I get to is like the amount of skills that I'd have to learn in order to do that um, is would be all consuming for me to, to get close to being able to do that in 18 months yeah, time. Have I'd have to start to, have to learn how to be a farmer. Yeah. You'd also have to learn how to uh, fix solar panels. Yeah. You'd have to learn enough about agriculture to be able to uh, make sure your well stayed clean. And But you know what might change is if I had kids, I could see that that conservatism fear protection thing kicking in in a bigger way um so i don't know but yes for me i kind of go where you go which is like had a good run <laughs> like it's been it's been great i lived in the best of times yeah. and uh i made it i made it pretty far well there's also there's multiple collapses as well because you could also imagine a slow enough collapse that the writings on the wall laws are starting to change yeah like let's say that roe v wade is the start of a avalanche of laws that change that you don't like mm -hmm. and you get it you're getting more and more nervous you before the book of eli part comes where everybody's mm -hmm. roving around mad max style you can leave the country yes yes so i do and i think that's if it were if it happened today that is the option i would go versus build a farm because mm -hmm. i don't have the skills and i don't feel particularly tied to the u.s i would just try to get my family and friends yeah. and we just go buy a cul-de-sac somewhere else that wasn't falling apart sure and i'm not saying the u.s is but i'm that's i've thought about it and go how how much runway am i going to have to get to australia just to be clear what that would mean is i'm going to open an australian bank account you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i'm going to put and i'm going to have gold uh, little gold ounce bars in my pocket 
I've just thought of this for like for the train, like <laughs> please. <sir. laughs> um, but yeah, those steps, which I actually could see myself taking those steps, which is like, oh, the banking system in America is, is and again, this I don't think is going to happen. No, no, this is these are just fun hypotheticals. Not fun. <laughs> it's not. It's not likely to happen. But the the downside of it is worth protecting against by opening an Australian bank account um, and putting some money in there. So yeah, things like that. Just so if you show up, you can pay rent for three months or something. I don't know. That would be amazing. And, and I'm in a position to be able to do that, thankfully. Thanks, YouTube. It's not the podcast. <laughs> podcast right. is how Justin podcast is going to afford to survive. That, Justin, you're in the S&P now, or you are you opened a brokerage account, right? Yeah, that doesn't mean I'm in the S&P. Okay, he's opened a brokerage account. He's not He's not in. What prompted that? Ivan. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, anything else that you want to talk about? No. That's cool. it. Very good. Justin, uh, questions for the podcast? And only one. Do you have any advice about things, emotional work, behavioral work, philosophical exploration, anything a person can do when they don't know if they can feel love? For context, I'm 24 years old, no significant relationships, two four to five month long ones, first one at 22, and I thought I might have loved a couple of people in the past, but in retrospection, I think it's been mainly lust and or infatuation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're, that's not, I'll be honest, totally crazy. Uh, if anything, it's it's quite self-aware at your age. I think what people call love at those younger ages is often infatuation. It's like obsession, and I definitely relate to that. And then mixed with some lust. Um, but can you feel love? I mean, uh, do you have a family? Do you, like, I don't have exercises for this, um, but what I would say is you're undoubtedly capable of it. That's you're living, breathing, existing, like you're, you're certainly capable. You might have blocks to experiencing it fully in certain contexts because you don't feel safe based on your upbringing. And the things that I would recommend for that, um, the emotional mastery course that we have, I think week two would be very interesting for you, which is basically some guided meditations and uh, not really, they're not as much meditations as they are like uh, thoughts and, and body scans could be very useful. Um. Yeah, those those would be the ones that I think of, and then a lot of the stuff that I've talked about, which would definitely make you, uh, you know, if you, if you had an MDMA therapy experience, which is I wouldn't recommend just for the oh I want to feel love. I would come in a bit more targeted with something that you'd like to grow in or change in. But I think that would be uh, a strong experience of like oh this is what an overwhelming feeling of love is, um, and then you could compare that to how you exist in every day. Do you have any thoughts? I do. I think there's two potential situations this person could be in. So I will just try to clarify. I think there is what they described as don't, I don't feel love in romantic relationships is right. They said, I've I've been in two, four month relationships and I didn't feel love. So my question would be, do you love your mother or your father? Do you have a sibling that you love? Do you have a dog that you love? Have you felt love for a friend? Then I would say, how many relationships have you been in? How many women have liked you? Like I could imagine someone who says, I don't know if I'm capable of romantic love, Mm -hmm. but loves their mom, loves their dad, or hates their dad, but loves their brother or sister, but just hasn't dated a lot. They go, I can't find love. I go, yeah, you just need to become better at building chemistry. Mm -hmm. Because if you had dated 30 people instead of two people, you may have just found love. You may Mm -hmm. have just had two mediocre relationships and overall struggle with dating. Mm -hmm. 
So I'd say that. I'd say, yeah, you should really focus on charisma and just getting more experience dating people and options and people liking you. And I think you'll find that you fall in love. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who has, not only do I not find love romantically, but I don't love myself, my dog, my siblings, my mom, my dad, my grandparents. I've never felt anything that I could call love in my life. Then I think it's the emotional mastery stuff. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell from this question if it's a life problem or just a romance problem. It was implied it's a romance problem. Yeah, so in that case, you say, I've had two relationships, both for four months, and I didn't love the person. I go, yeah, you're 24. You've had two relationships. They lasted four months each. I think we need to 10X the dating experience. Like, mm -hmm. you're not getting into a lot of relationships. So is that because you find it really hard to be physically attracted to someone? Is that because you find it really hard to like anyone of the opposite sex? Is that because people are not interested in dating you? I would go much more charisma related tactical stuff if this is just ex an experience you have in your dating life mm -hmm. cool nice let's move on to patreon patreon what do we have we're going to talk about picking a direction for your career how to stop being scared of public speaking and then somebody had literally written in saying they can't tell if we dislike or admire jordan peterson anymore oh that's funny. so we're gonna elaborate on that yeah cool. okay cool so if you guys want to check that out and all of i mean we've done now Probably over 100 of these. I think that's safe to say on Patreon. You can check all of those. We're on like 80. 80? 83. Okay, yeah. so not over 100. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that means there's over 100 hours of content. Yes, there's yes. plenty. Uh, and you get and it at any dollar this, amount. It's where the spicy stuff comes through. It's where yeah. the, we don't go hot take, but we go mildly hot takes on Patreon. Yeah. We, we feel safer. So if you guys want to check that out and support the podcast, it is what keeps us going. It is our really our form of revenue that pays for Justin and the stuff that we have here and keeps us going. Uh, it means a lot to the podcast. It actually is the reason we're able to continue doing this. And uh, without our patrons, we, we couldn't. So if you guys want to join that group of people, check these out. Any dollar amount gets you access to everything we're about to do and have done in the past. Appreciate you guys. And those of you who just watch the regular podcast, we'll see the rest of you over on Patreon. Peace.